had the honor and the privilege of ministering to two really, really powerful churches in the Bay Area. Uh, a couple Sundays ago, uh, I preached at uh, Paul Shepherd's Church in Fremont, California. Just had wonderful utterance, just had a great service. Then last Wednesday night, I was able to speak at Jubilee Christian Center in San Jose, which was just, we just had an awesome time and and uh, Pastor Paul and Meredith are good friends of ours, and Pastor Dick and Carla are as well. So it's just good to get reacquainted with the Brunells. And I tell you what, God's got a lot of love for the Bay Area because He sure put a lot of fine churches in the Bay Area. You know, you think about Faith Fellowship, Jubilee Christian Center, Harbor Light, just to name a few. There's a lot of wonderful men and women of God and a lot of wonderful believers just like you. Amen? And so I want you to be encouraged, praise God, that God's moving mightily in the Bay Area. But I got to thinking about it, as as fun as it was and as much freedom and utterance I had as I preached in those churches, there is no place like home. You are the best. You are the easiest people to preach to I've ever preached to in my life. And so I love you and I honor you. I'm not going anywhere, but thank God for the rain falling in the Bay Area. Amen. Hallelujah. The other thing I wanted to share with you before I start preaching, you know, Brenda and I have been in ministry, full-time ministry, for about 36 years. We've been here 31 years. But before we were here, we were at it for a good five years. And, you know, over the years, God has been so gracious to us and deposited so much on the inside of us. And the main thing that God has called us to do is pastor this church. But also, as an extension of the church, the Lord leads us and guides us to go into the missions field from time to time. So in October, we're going to Lima, Peru, and we're going to be ministering at Rama Bible Training Center down there in the mornings, and then at night, we're going to have open meetings. And next week, I want to give you a hand up because I know you want to participate in prayer with us. And I'm going to to list some things that we're asking you specifically to be praying about as we go. Traveling grace, traveling mercy. Amen? Amen. We're also believing that the Word of God would have free course. What do you mean the Word of God having a free course? That that we will just have so much utterance by the Holy Spirit, and it will be so easy to teach and preach, and the people will be receptive, and they will get, amen, a deposit from the Spirit of God. And so we're going to list those things so you can be praying for us. Let's pray over the Word today. Father, thank you so much for the Word of God. Your Word is life. Your Word is filled with power. Father, we ask you to minister to the hearts of your people today. Lord, we give you the glory. We give you the honor and the praise for the word of the Lord having free course this morning. In the name of Jesus, and everyone said amen. You may be seated. All right. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm ready. Man, we had such a good service, the first service. I, 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 I left that pulpit high. And uh, I'm trusting for the same thing today. Amen. Amen. That you, your needs will be met. Look at with me at 1 Peter chapter 1. And uh, notice with me in verse 18 and verse 19 of 1 Peter chapter 1. It says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition from your fathers. Well, we weren't redeemed by that, were we? But in verse 19, it says, But we were redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. 
as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. I do need to apologize to you about something. Normally, we have communion on the first Sunday of the month, okay? And uh, for some reason, there was some sort of a miscue and and we didn't get it done. So we're going to do it next week, all right? All right, praise the Lord. Say with me, God's good. So redeem then, as it relates to the blood of Jesus, means that our freedom was bought back. You and I are part of the blood-bought church. That ought to make you happy right there. I'm part of the blood-bought church. And as being part of the blood-bought church, we've been given blood-bought benefits. Now, how many of you have ever had to go to the doctor and they, they, they drew blood from you? What they want, I know a lot of people are going, oh, gross-ish, don't talk about that. Okay. Well, why do they do that? They do that because they want to get a readout of what's going on in your body. They can tell of what's happening in your body by looking at the blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood. Okay. Well, the Word of God gives us a thorough readout of who you and I are as part of the blood-bought church. You can look into the perfect law of liberty and you can see that you've been redeemed, you've been sanctified, you've been justified, you've been made exactly what you ought to be because and by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. One of the greatest benefits of being blood-bought in the blood-bought church is righteousness. So I want you to look with me over at Romans, the third chapter. And I'll read the first five verses, then you can read verse 26 with me. But it says, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. It's witnessed by the law and the prophets, verse 22. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. So our faith, our believing puts us in a position of righteousness. For there's no difference. Verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Verse 24. Being justified or declared righteous freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 25. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through what? Say faith in His blood three times. To declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Now, let's read verse 26 together. To declare, I say, at this time, His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of Him which believeth in Jesus Christ. And so you have been made righteous because of your faith in the blood. Now look over at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. How many of you believe that part of the verse? Amen. Do you know there's multitudes of Christians that believe the first part of the verse but don't believe the second part of the verse? Well, if the first part of the verse is true, the second part of the verse has got to be true. We might as well eat the whole roll, right? Amen. What does the second part of the verse say? That we might be made... That we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Amen. Now, I don't mean to be a, 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 a wise you know, crack or a smart aleck or anything like that. But Tony, tell me, are you a man or a woman? 
You're a man. How'd you get that way? You were born that way. Well, that's exactly how you were made righteous. You were born again. God brought you out of darkness, brought you out of condemnation, brought you out of guilt, and brought you into righteousness and freedom in Christ Jesus. You've been made the righteousness of God in Him. Now listen, you didn't earn it. You cannot attain it by good works. And you cannot attain it by developing spiritually. Now I believe that we are to develop spiritually. And I believe that we should be doing good works. Am I correct on that? But you cannot work yourself into something that Christ has so freely given you. In Romans 5, 17, it says this, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the what? It's a gift. The gift of righteousness. The Bible says they shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. I like that, don't you? You know, in Christ Jesus, there's no economy class righteousness. There's no business class righteousness. We are all in the first class seats, seated together with Him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Our God don't make any second class citizens. You are His workmanship. Come on, somebody. <coughs> Created in Christ Jesus. You're a piece of the Master. And the Bible says that we can reign as a king in life by one Jesus Christ. Think about that for a moment. How do kings reign? Kings reign with their words. Kings reign because they have access and they have controls to things that give them dominion over their kingdom. Come on. Now, last week we talked about the keys of the kingdom. Remember that? You know, Jesus spoke and he said, And I'll give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the reign, to give you the kingdom, to give you the keys of the kingdom. With the keys of the kingdom, you have control. You have access. With the keys of the kingdom, if something comes your way that is anti-kingdom or anti-Christ, you can take those keys and you can bind it. And heaven will back you up. And if something needs to be loosed in your life, you can loose it. It's like someone said years ago, if bind and don't fix it, loose it. And so last week's message was called In Your Control. And we talked about how that our mind is in our control. This is our mind. We have the mind of Christ. He didn't give us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and of a sound mind. So when anything knocks on the city of your soul that is anti-kingdom and anti-Christ, we are to take the keys of the word, the name, the power of the Holy Spirit, and bind those strongholds and cast them down. Amen? Amen? And so that's a part of your blood-bought benefit. Right standing with God. King's kids. Now, another area that is in our control that most Christians don't know anything about. Did you know that your body is not the real you? That you are a spirit? You have a soul and you live inside of a physical body? The Bible doesn't say that we are body, soul, and spirit. The Bible says that we are spirit, soul, and body. 
And Paul prayed for the church at Thessalonica and he said, The very God of peace sanctify you holy. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That God wants us whole and intact spiritually, mentally, and physically when he comes back for us. Now, your body left unchecked, your body, if it takes control of your life, will destroy your life. How many of your body's nuts? Your body's crazy. I mean, it'll eat everything it needs to eat or wants to eat. You know, yesterday I was telling the first crowd I went for a workout, burned about, you know, a thousand calories off, and I was hungry. So I went to Hometown Buffet. Big mistake. You know, the Bible says, I buffet my body, I don't buffet it. Well, I went into the extra buffet zone. You know what I'm talking about, Jimmy? And man, it was high and deep. I called Brenda on the phone. I said, I never should have gone there, but I'm so glad I did. Hallelujah. But your body, you know, it'll just, it won't eat one piece of pecan pie. It wants the whole thing. You know, your body's not saved. Is that a revelation to some of you? Now, one day you'll get a glorified body. But now while we're here, we're left with something to do with our body. You mean I'm supposed to do something? Yeah, you, me. He said, I present, he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto him, which is your reasonable service. So now notice with me. We are encouraged and commanded to do something with our body. Present it to him daily. Why? Because there is a battle daily. There's a battle between the flesh and the spirit. And you are the determining factor to see which one wins out every day. You can live your life in the flesh. You can live your life in the spirit. Now, I want you to turn with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. Say it with me. My body is to be in subjection to the real me, my spirit. My body does not control me. I control it. Did you know that, you're, that, that the, the Word of God calls your body an it? You can tell your body what to do. You know, your body's nuts. If you let your body, it'll lay in bed all day. If you let yourself, you can watch television all day. By the end of the day, you haven't gained anything. You know, no. Your body, it's your body. Do you know you can talk to your body? Amen, I talk to my body all the time. I say, body, be healed in the name of Jesus. I say, body, every organ and every tissue of this body functions in the perfection to which God created function. And I forbid any malfunction in this body in the name of Jesus. Body, be whole, be well. Now, body, when we go to church, we're not going to look dead. We're going to walk in with a smile on our face. Little glide in our stride. You know what I'm saying? I was glad, not sad when they said unto me. I was glad when they said unto me, we go into the house of God now. We're going to have some church up in here. Hallelujah. Woo! Every day ought to be a mega fest with us. Come on, somebody. A body, we're going to go to church. We're going to lift up our hands. In the sanctuary. We're going to do it now. I don't. 
feel like it. So what? Shut up. Get those hands up. I don't want it. Yes, you're going to do it. There's a battle going on, man. It's a battle. Your body, man. You let your body do stuff that it did. If you don't, if you don't do something with your body, your body will get you in back end drugs. Back in pornography. Back in adultery. Back in fornication. Now notice what Paul said. 1 Corinthians 9, 27. Y'all here still? 1 Corinthians 9, 27. But I, when he says, but I, he's talking about his spirit man. That's the real you. See, you can't see the real me and I can't see the real you. But just because I can't see the real you does not mean that the real you does not exist. The real you lives inside your body. You're a spirit man. But I keep under my body. In other words, I don't let my body dominate me. My body will try to dominate me, but I, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to hold my body in check and I'm going to bring it. There it is, it. I'm going to bring it, my body, into subjection. Into subjection to what? In subjection to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. In subjection to the Word of God. In subjection to righteousness and true holiness. Read the rest with me. Let me catch my breath. Go ahead, read. So lest it by any means, after I've preached to others, you don't have to be a preacher to preach, your whole life is a sermon. Lest it by any means, when I've said all these things and done all these things, I myself should be disqualified. Your body will disqualify you. You must keep it in subjection. And you know what? You can do it. Say it with me. This is my mind. This is my body. And in the name of Jesus, I will refuse to open my life up to what I've been redeemed from. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the good news is this. If you've been flaky, you don't have to be a flake. If you've sinned, guess what? There's cleansing. There's cleansing. And here's what Smith Wigglesworth said. This is awesome. He said, there is not one thing in me that the blood does not cleanse. Who? Everyone say the blood. I love this. There's not one thing in me that the blood does not cleanse. And he goes on to say, the Holy Spirit never brings condemnation. Who brings condemnation? You'll never amount to anything. You've failed. You've you've sinned over the same thing 500 times. You'll never make it. That's condemnation. Now, the Holy Spirit brings conviction. But along with the conviction, He also brings encouragement. Along with the conviction, He also is the lifting power of the church to lift you out of that and enable you to stand in the midst of that as more than a conqueror. He never brings condemnation. But the Holy Spirit always reveals the blood of Christ. He is the lifting power of the church. I encourage you. I encourage you to, to, to get before God. And in a time of prayer, in a time of presence, do this. I love this. That the blood of Jesus... Lord, 
Let your blood reach into the secret recesses of my motives and purposes. And Lord, cleanse me from all unrighteousness, all iniquity, all shame, and all guilt. You see, the blood of Jesus can do a deep work and a thorough work in your life. Now, closely connected to righteousness by the blood, there is boldness because of the blood of Jesus. I like the definition of boldness. Everyone say boldness. Boldness Boldness simply means unreserved utterance. I've written this in my notes, and I'm going to quote it verbatim because I believe it's very true, and that is this. The true boldness does not involve any arrogance or disrespect in any way. But it does exhibit a holy confidence and assurance. You and I can be bold before God. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, 19, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter in to the holy of holies by the blood of Jesus. If you don't know you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, if you don't exercise faith in His blood, you'll feel too condemned and too weak and too wimpy to go to the throne of grace. The throne of grace is a place where there's help for you. The throne of grace is a place where there's fellowship and presence for you. But oftentimes people are too guilt-ridden to go to the very place that our Heavenly Father has invited them to come. Listen, in Ephesians 2 verse 18, in the Amplified, it says, In whom because of our faith in Him, we dare to have the boldness and courage and confidence of free access and unreserved approach to God with freedom and without fear. Without fear. Without fear. Say it with me, no fear in my life. I just keep moving in this direction this morning. And so I, I'm going I'm to say it. Like I said it in the first service, don't you give up on yourself. Don't you give up on yourself. Because God has not given up on you. I'm going to say it again. Don't you give up on yourself. Because God has never and will never give up on you. The Bible says this, that He will never, ever leave us nor will he forsake us. There's people in this auditorium to say, yeah, but pastor, you know what? I've, I, I've wasted so much time. I should be in a place and at a place spiritually that I'm not at. Listen, that's yesterday. That's gone. That's past. You can't do anything about it. Apply the blood to it and get about your life today and get about your life tomorrow. Don't you dare give up on yourself because God's hand is upon you. He that's begun a good work in you is going to perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. Yesterday is gone and should be forgotten. Today's a new day. This is the woo, the day that the Lord has made. He wants to do a new thing in your life. Yeah, but I've had so many chances. I've blown so many things. He's not only the God of the first chance, second chance, third chance, but He's the God of the fourth chance, the fifth chance, the sixth chance. He is God and He loves you. Don't you dare give up on yourself. You know, in the, in the Old Testament, 
Elias was, a, was just a man. And, and, you know, one day he was calling down fire and the prophets of Baal were consumed. Yeah. And the next day he's running from yeah. Jezebel. And he ain't running in the spirit. He's running in fear, right? The Bible says Elias, Elijah was a man who was subject to like passions like as we are. Yet what Elias did is he prayed that it wouldn't rain and the rain stopped. Woo, glory, come on. In other words, in spite of himself, God still used Elijah. And there's days, guys, where I look in the mirror and say, thank God you're merciful. In spite of myself, you still use me. You still love me. The hand of the Lord is upon me for good. That's a word for somebody today. So don't let condemnation keep you out of the throne of grace. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Come confidently and with full assurance. Amen. The other thing that will cause... Righteousness will cause in your life is a blood-bought benefit. Not only will you be bold before the Father, but you can be flat bold before the devil. Yeah. Amen. Are you listening to me? Amen. You'll never look in the Bible where Jesus was intimidated or fearful about Satan. Right. When he showed up, he cast him out. Right. When he saw his works, he destroyed him. Yeah. When he saw poverty, he fed him. When he saw blindness, he restored their sight. When he saw lameness, he made them walk and leap and praise God. When he saw what people could not do for themselves, he said, I'm your jubilee. And the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me. Just believe me and I will take you through whatever you're going through. And I will heal you and feed you and bless you and I'll lift you. I heard a shout in the church, but I haven't heard it yet. Glory. Glory. He was not intimidated. He was not fearful. Philippians 1.28 Amplified says this, And do not for a moment be frightened or intimidated by anything, meaning devils and demons. For your fearlessness and constancy is a sign or a proof to them that they're on their way out. <laughs> Woo, how many of you know the devil's on his way out? Hallelujah. That bottomless pit is going to open up. Oh, Rabbi Shandai. The master is going to open. Oh, glory. They're going down. But it's also a token and evidence of your deliverance and your salvation from God. Oh, man. Boldness. Boldness. Toward the devil. Boldness. Toward satanic forces. You know, Jesus was extremely bold where the enemy was concerned. And the reason why he was is because he knew that his father was greater than all. Try that on for size. Say it with me. My father is greater than all. Look at John chapter 10 verse 29. This is good food right here. John, the 10th chapter, the 29th verse. He said, My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Say that with me two times real strong. My Father father is greater greater than all. all. And you know, we do serve a great God. 
You think about all the times the word great and greater is used in the Bible. In Genesis 15, he's our great reward. In Psalms 47, he's our great king. In Hebrews 4, he's the great high priest. In Hebrews 13, he's the great shepherd. In Psalms 145, he has great mercy. In Nehemiah 1, he's got great power. In Psalms 18, he gives great deliverance. In Psalm 76, he's got a great name. Woo! Glory! He's a great God. Jesus said, my father's greater than all. A lot of people know that the father is the greater one, but they don't realize that he's the greater one in them. So turn in your Bibles. Are you ready to shout just a little bit? First John chapter four. Let's look over there in verse four. Amen. Amen. My father's greater than all. We had that little deficit in the month of August. We went down Hallelujah Hallway and Ha Ha Hallway at the Thomas residence, shouting the victory, saying, thank God, God's bigger than this. I've been down the road too long, folks. I've seen God move so many times and come through so many times. I've been on the road too long to throw in the towel. And don't you quit. Don't you give up. Just because you might be hemmed in by circumstances, don't you back down. Look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. Let's read it together. This is some good food today, isn't it? Read it with me. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Why? Because greater is he that is in you. One more time. Because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that's operating through your boss. Amen. That just came right up out of my spirit. Greater is he that is in you than the strife that's presenting itself in your household. Greater is he that is in you than those bills stacking up. Oh, I'm preaching good now. Greater is he that is in you than the doctor's report you got last week. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How about this one? Greater is he that is in you than that rebellious child living under your roof. Greater one. Got the greater one. Years ago, Charles Duncombe, an English preacher, he went to a gas station in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He's since gone on to be with the Lord. And there was a young man there that had his arm inked. And I don't have anything against ink. Amen. Just don't let the devil ink your brain permanently. Okay. And, you know, I've discovered that God has a tattoo of me and you on the palm of his hand. So he's inked with you and me. Amen. But anyway, on on this guy's arm... Dr. Duncan noticed he said, born to raise hell. (laughs) You know, a lot of people think that way when they're young. Born to raise hell. R-A-I-S-E. They raise hell and raise hell and raise hell. Some of them end up in prison for raising hell. But then they get born again in prison. Amen? So I was a hell raiser. Some of you were hell raisers. Some of you still are. (laughs) 
But you know, when you get born again, hell moves out. And heaven moves in. Now we don't raise hell. What we do now is we raise it, R-A-Z-E. We cut it out of the way. We push it out of the way. You and I have been born to raise hell. Amen. Not raise it, but shove it out of the way. Take dominion over it and authority over it. Amen. Boldness. Turn me to Proverbs 28, verse 1. Proverbs 28, verse 1. Oh, thank you, Lord. I feel a Holy Ghost shout coming on. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Boldness before God. Boldness before man. We won't have time to get into that today. Boldness where Satan is concerned. Amen? I believe that we ought to pray for boldness. How many of you could use a little bit more boldness in your life? Raise both hands with me and just pray this. Heavenly Father, I'm asking you for the Spirit of God and the Spirit of grace to make me bolder. Give me an increase of boldness, Father. I pray and I believe that I receive it in Jesus' name. I'm bold. I'm bold. Not not arrogant now. Not arrogant. Not disrespectful. But I'm bold. Amen? Amen. Amen. Proverbs 28, verse 21. Read it with me. Ready? Read. It says, The wicked flee when no man pursueth. You know, I just like how that feels. Let's read it again then. The wicked flee when no man pursueth. Uno mas. The wicked flee when no man pursueth. See, the devil now walks about as a roaring lion. Seeking whom he may devour. But we're not afraid of someone that's putting on. He wants to come on like he's something. He wants to come on like he's all that. Listen, if all those lies that he'd been telling you for years and years were true, don't you think they would have come to pass by now? He's a liar. He walks about as a roaring lion didn't say he was a roaring lion he walks about as one his main tactic is fear and so he'll roar all of his lies roar all of his circumstantial evidence into your ears but the bible says that we are not to fret about that that we're not to back off and back down about that the next verse says we are to resist him steadfastly with our faith See, the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. He walks about as a roaring lion, but oh, glory to God, there's another lion. I said, there's another lion. I said, there's another lion. Who is that lion? It's the lion of the tribe. 
Now, get a revelation out of that today. As a roaring lion, but Jesus is the lion of the tribe. Of what tribe is he the lion of? Does anyone know what Judah means? Judah means praise. So when the devil comes roaring his lies, lift up your voice and start praising God. And the lion of the tribe of Judah will show up on the scene. And when God arises, every enemy is going to be scattered. Don't just sit there all day listening to the roars of the lies of the enemy. Turn some praise on. The Bible says from the rising of the sun till the going down of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. I'll tell you one thing for sure. Praise will shut him up. Praise will silence the avenger. It will not only put him on the run, but it will shut his big fat mouth. How many of you know that the devil's into intimidation? He wants to intimidate us. Why? Because he wants us to shut our mouths. But I find over and over in the word of God that when believers lift up their voice, something is activated. When believers lift up their voice on one accord in praise and worship, there comes an activation of presence. And in His presence, there's a fullness of joy. In His presence, His presence swallows up the oppression. Come on. His presence consumes the sickness and disease. His presence consumes mental depression. There is an activation in the realm of the Spirit that happens when you lift up your voice. There is something about releasing faith with your voice that activates heaven to move on your behalf on earth. The covenant that you have been given is voice activated. If you want to activate some healing, get some healing in here. But don't let it stop here. Start saying healing scriptures. Prosperity is activated by your believing and saying. Heaven moves on behalf of those who stand on, believe in, and declare His covenant upon the earth. He watches over His Word to perform it. And that Word is coming out of the heart and the mouth of believers just like you and just like me. And it activates heaven's resources for earth's needs. Hallelujah. The very angels of the Lord who are encamped around about us and who are ministering spirits sent forth to minister for heirs of salvation, the very angels of heaven hearken to His voice. And you are His voice. 
in the earth. So speak forth what I've said in my word. Put me to work on your behalf. My angels shall go. Goodness shall flow. And your covenant shall surely come to pass before your very eyes. Do not give up. Do not draw back. But stay in my word and stay on track. For I've said in my word that whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. My word, believed and spoken, is a seed that activates great and glorious harvest in your life. Don't sit around and wait for thing to be act, things to be activated unless you're willing to speak what God's word says. I'm activating healing right now. Be healed in Jesus' name. You need healing in your body, you just take it right now. In the name of Jesus, be healed. Father, you sent your word to heal and to deliver and to set free. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Brenda and Nancy, stand up and and, and just say, be healed to those sections over there. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, pray with me, saints. In the name of Jesus, we activate your healing power right now, Lord. From the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. Be whole, be healed, be made free in the name of Jesus. I'm activating right now promotion. I believe and I speak increase over every person in this auditorium. Joe, increase in every area of your life. Harabosanda, increase to you guys. In Jesus' name, we activate it right now. Say it with me, I receive increase. I receive increase. I receive promotion in my life. Pray with me just a little bit. So come on, pray. Oh, brekiste le mandas. Oh, ramandiste le brafataye. Ko ramandiste le Don't you give up? I just keep getting that. Don't you give up? Good things are coming your way. Oh, pastile, pastile, pastile. Po randiste ya. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You guys, let me tell you something. Just by virtue of the fact that you are in church today in the San Francisco Bay Area is a statement for righteousness. I'm telling you, it takes a strong Christian to live above what this world has to offer in this area. I'm not bragging on myself. I'm bragging on Jesus. It takes a strong pastor and his pastor's wife and staff to stay by the stuff for 31 years. Because I'll tell you something. There's pressure in this world. The Apostle Paul said, in spite of the pressure, I'm going to keep on pressing. Now listen, you, you, you got to know that there's pressure. 
In the world, you'll have tribulation. In the world, you'll have pressure. But keep, keep pressing. Keep moving. Keep saying. Keep praying. Keep declaring. And you will press through the pressure. And the Bible says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. You need to give yourself more credit, some of you, than you've, than you've realized. Now, to be honest about it, sometimes life gets really tough. Okay? I don't want to get the violins going. But it's true. It's true. There are times in our life where we feel like we're being hemmed in. And there's times in our life where it just seems like that there's just, I mean, there just doesn't seem like there's no way out. I want to remind you that He is the way. There's a game called chess. And in the game of chess, there is a phrase called checkmate. And checkmate is the ultimate goal in the game of chess. Because when a person says checkmate, it means that the king is hemmed in and there's no way out. And so in that game of chess, when that word checkmate comes, it means that the game is coming into an end. You've had it. In life, the devil oftentimes will call checkmate to you. He'll have you believe that you're so hemmed in that there's no way out. There's no hope. There's no help for you and God. But when hell screams checkmate, I want you to be like the sisters get sometime and say, I don't think so. I love the sisters, man. The sisters got some sass about them. You know what I'm saying? I don't think so. I I don't think so. You know what I'm talking about. I believe that God put that sass in every one of us. White, black, you know, whatever you are. You've got a dose of boldness on the inside of you. And when hell screams, checkmate. Everyone say, I don't think so. And why is that? Because the king always has one more move. He's not out of moves. He's got one more move. He's got more than one move. He's got several moves. Moses. The children of Israel at the Red Sea, Satan's yelling, checkmate. It looks like there was no more room and no more moves on the board for them. But the king had one more move. He split the Red Sea. 
They hung Jesus on a cross. They took him off the cross. They put him in a tomb. And they sealed the tomb. And in hell there was a party. Saying we finally got him down. Hell was yelling checkmate at heaven. But heaven looked down on that third morning. And said I don't think so. The king had one more move. He raised him from the dead. He lifted him out of the grave. Woo! Glory to God. When I say checkmate, you say, I don't think so. The king's got one more move. Checkmate. 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 He's got one more move. Matter of fact, he's got moves some of us hadn't seen yet. He doesn't have one more move. He's got multiple moves. Woo! He can move on my behalf and your behalf. He can move in my finances and your body. He can do it all at once because he's the king of glory. Hallelujah. He's got one more move. Listen, saint, don't you give up. Don't you quit. Keep putting your trust in him. Keep looking to the king. There's no temptation taking you and I, but this is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer us to be tempted above our ability, but will also with the temptation provide a way of escape. He is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. Checkmate. Glory to God. Some of you tomorrow morning about 3 a.m. You're going to wake up right in your bed. I don't think so. The king's got one more move. Oh, come on. Shout with me. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Be encouraged today. It ain't over. It ain't over. It ain't nearly over. He's never over. The king has one more move. Glory to God. That's why I don't lose heart when we experience a deficit financially. Because I've seen the king move in the 70s. I've seen the king move in the 80s, the 90s, and in this decade. And the king has plenty more for us at Heart of the Bay. So when you're tempted to give up and be discouraged, say, I don't think so. My king's moving. He's moving when you don't feel like he's moving. Be seated. I got one more thing I want to share with you. Hallelujah. Checkmate. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he does. Job. Job experienced hell on earth a lot of the things that Job experienced was a result of his own problems his own fault but you know that situation with Job only lasted for nine months I saw this yesterday as I was studying or the other day 
And that is this point. In order for there to be a turnaround in my life and in your life, in many areas, we must make a turn first. Now, Job was going through it. But here's what Job did. Instead of feeling sorry for himself, the Bible says that he prayed for his friends. That is where things started to turn, Brother Jimmy. When he prayed for his friends. Prayed for his friends. And the Bible says that at the end of Job's life, that his latter days became twice as good and he got twice as much than he did his entire life. God, listen, God restored to him the years that the enemy had ripped off. He heard checkmate. But what he did is he prayed for his friends. And as he prayed, he activated heaven. (laughs) Did you know that praying for your enemies when they've wronged you and they spit on you and they've insulted you, do you know that praying for your enemies is a scriptural thing to do and it will activate heaven to go to work for you? Listen. In Job 42... And look at verse 16. Job 42. We're almost done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. In Job 42, 16. After the Lord had, had, had caused all these good things to come back to Job's life. Verse 16. It says, after this... Job lived 140 years and saw his sons even to four generations. Come on, somebody. The Bible says that Job died full of days. That nine month was just a distant memory with Job. Listen, the word of the Lord for you today is not only checkmate, but the word of the Lord is this, is God has an after this for you. You can live after the divorce. You can live after the addiction. You can live after the chemotherapy. You can live after the death of a loved one, difficult as it may be. God can give you an after this. And He can make your latter years better than all the years before. Did you get anything out of this today? Let's all stand to our feet. Glory to God. Let's lift our voice and activate praise right now. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. I'm going to say it one more time. Checkmate. It's getting a little fainter. One more time. Checkmate. Yes, he does. Lift your voice, lift your hands and thank him. Father.